Tonight, Celine Dion diagnosed with an incurable disease, a heart-wrenching setback for a Canadian superstar. The traumatic discovery and a world tour on pause. All I know is singing. As she shines a spotlight on a rare condition. Escalating outrage over a suspended search for remains. Here you are, once again, creating unmarked graves of Indigenous peoples. Demands for the resignation of Winnipeg's police chief. Plus, freedom for basketball star Brittany Griner. What's your mood? Happy. A prisoner swap with Russia and a Canadian-born captive left behind. The choice was one or none. CTV National News with Omar Sachadina. Good evening, everyone. A Canadian icon whose voice has entertained and enchanted millions around the world made an extraordinary revelation today about a battle she's been fighting silently until now, keeping her off stage for months. 54-year-old singer Céline Zion told her fans she has stiff person syndrome, a rare neurological disorder with no clear cause. CTV's Vanessa Lee starts us off with more on the disease and how the legendary performer is coping. I've been dealing with problems with my health for a long time. Céline Zion was emotional as she revealed to fans what has kept her from the stage. A rare neurological condition that causes debilitating muscle spasms. Unfortunately, these spasms affect every aspect of my daily life, sometimes causing difficulties when I walk and not allowing me to use my vocal cords to sing the way I'm used to. It's known as stiff person syndrome and affects only one or two in a million people. It often takes years to be diagnosed. It can be extremely lonely and isolating to go through something like this. I'm very grateful for Celine to use her beautiful voice to shine a light on this disease. Researchers are trying to understand what causes rigidity and spasms so severe they can dislocate joints and even break bones. My heart breaks for them because we're not there yet. We're even short of a cure, we're not at a point where we can, I think, help a person's quality of life to where I would be satisfied. The Quebec-born superstar says she is drawing strength from her three sons and has hope she is on the road to recovery. It's been a struggle. All I know is singing. It's what I've done all my life. For now, all of Zion's shows and her Courage World Tour have been postponed or cancelled until next August. Omar. Such courage for her to speak out about her condition publicly. Vanessa, thank you for this tonight. After 10 months in a Russian detention center, American basketball star Brittany Griner is now free. Sentenced for carrying cannabis, the Olympic gold medalist was released in exchange for a convicted Russian arms dealer. Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin 
on the high-stakes prisoner swap. On Russian state TV, Brittany Griner is seen making her way home. On the plane, she's all smiles. Happy. <laughs> this moment, after a dramatic prisoner exchange on an airfield in Abu Dhabi. That's Griner in a red coat, traded for notorious arms dealer Victor Boot, convicted of conspiring to kill Americans. He arrived in Moscow to a hero's welcome. Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. Sentenced to a penal colony for nine years, it's been a terrifying ordeal for the basketball star after being caught with cartridges of cannabis oil in her luggage. And today is just a happy day for me and my family, so um, I'm going to smile right now. <laughs> Griner's wife, Sherelle, overwhelmed with gratitude, but knowing another was left behind. Today, my family is whole, but as you all are aware, there's so many other families who are not whole. Like the family of Canadian-born Paul Whelan, unjustly jailed, says the U.S., accused of espionage. He's devastated he wasn't part of the prisoner swap and fears he won't make it back home. I have to say I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today, but I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. The White House says it regrets not being able to free Whelan, saying the Russians treat his case differently and rejected a two-for-one deal. This was not a choice of which American to bring home. The choice was one or none. Griner will be offered medical care at a military hospital in San Antonio. Her freedom is being celebrated as a diplomatic success, while the Whelans wait and hope. Omar? Joy Malbin in Washington tonight. Joy, thank you. Iran has carried out its first execution linked to the anti-government unrest sweeping the country. Mohsen Shikari was hanged for allegedly attacking a paramilitary officer while protesting in Tehran. A nationwide movement began in September with the death of Masa Amini while in the custody of the country's so-called morality police. The killings of four indigenous women in Manitoba by an alleged serial killer has now led to calls for the police chief to resign. Indigenous leaders made that demand today after police said they believe the remains of two women are in a landfill but chose not to search it. Here's CTV's Manitoba Bureau Chief Jill Makishan with new developments about that location and what may happen next. A landfill site also believed to be a graveyard will now go silent. No more trash will be dumped at this privately owned facility north of Winnipeg. Really it's to determine what next steps may be. It's an absolutely horrific tragedy that has taken place. The trash site is believed to be the dumping ground for two murder victims, Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron, killed at the hands of an alleged serial killer last May. Their families have been calling for a renewed search after Winnipeg police told them it was not feasible. We saw this happen with residential schools, and here you are, once again, creating unmarked graves of Indigenous peoples. And I'm standing here today to ask for the resignation of the Chief of Police for the Winnipeg Police Service, Danny Smythe. Winnipeg police were able to recover the partial remains of another victim, Rebecca Contois, at a different landfill site. But in this case, weeks had lapsed in the investigation. Police say they had no starting point and tons of trash, some of it contaminated, has gone into the site. The police chief said a report by the forensics unit... It left us with no hope that there would be a successful recovery. 
still indigenous leaders point to another recent case where a suspected murder victim was found in a landfill seven months later. An unprecedented search by Toronto police aided by detailed records kept by the waste facility. And they found him like a needle in a haystack. If they can do that, Winnipeg can do that. Winnipeg police have tried before. In 2012, investigators spent a week searching a landfill for the remains of Tanya Nipanek. Her body believed to be discarded in the trash. She was never found. But her aunt believes she could be. They dig and they quit. They dig and then they quit. Um, I hope next time they'll keep digging till they get our loved ones out there. Federal officials continue to offer vocal support for the families. Nobody should have to search for their mother in the trash and no human should be treated like trash. Tonight, discussions continue on next steps. Indigenous advocates are demanding the landfill site stay shut down until a full assessment for a search can be done. Omar. Jill McEshawn in Winnipeg. Jill, thank you. The daughter of slain billionaires Barry and Honey Sherman made a public appeal of her own today, asking for help in solving her parents' five-year-old murders. In a statement, she wrote, there has been no justice or closure for the family since the killings in 2018, adding the $10 million reward for information is still unclaimed. The well-known philanthropists were found dead in the basement of their home, tied to a pool railing. A controversial contract between the RCMP and a Canadian company with ties to the Chinese government has now been suspended following a public outcry about the potential security impacts. But as CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver tells us, that deal is just one of many. So, why should you trust Hytera? A contract with the RCMP that prompted national security concerns and backlash against the government is now suspended. There are some uh, very direct controls over the equipment itself, but look, there's no doubt uh, that there are very legitimate concerns around uh, the way in which um, the uh, contract was awarded. In 2021, Sinclair Technologies received a half a million dollar contract for work on RCMP radio frequency equipment. It was awarded after the Ontario business became a subsidiary of a Chinese telecommunications firm in 2017. Hytera is partially owned by the Chinese government, and the Liberals greenlit that deal without a full-fledged national security review. There is no risk to national security. Now the connection to China is raising concerns and has some saying the technology installed should be removed. As a parent company, they will have access to records. They might have access to the decryption keys, access to files, and that's when it becomes extremely problematic from a national security perspective. Since the Chinese takeover, procurement, the RCMP, the Defense Department and Fisheries and Oceans have all awarded Sinclair contracts valued at more than $2.6 million. The value of one DND contract for antenna equipment destined for two Canadian military bases is hidden. Are you going to have those contracts renewed or reviewed as well? The Defense Minister refused to answer questions, while the Foreign Minister blamed public servants. The Independent Public Service has decided to sign that contract at the time, and these contracts should have never signed, been signed. Since 2009, the government has awarded 24 contracts to Sinclair Technologies. The Defense Department, Omar, says it's reviewing its relationship with the company. All right, Annie, thanks. The political contract between the federal government and Alberta is under strain tonight after the province passed a watered-down version of its so-called Sovereignty Act. A provision to grant the provincial cabinet extraordinary new powers was stripped from the final version. But a potential showdown with Ottawa remains. Alberta Bureau Chief Bill Fortier explains. Motion is carried and so ordered.
The most controversial bill in Alberta's recent memory is now a pen stroke away from law. The UCP government voting through the Alberta Sovereignty Act overnight, then saying very little today. Uh, it passed with a majority of support and we're looking on to getting on with Bill 2. Thank you. The act allows Alberta to ignore federal laws if the provincial government believes they infringe on Alberta's constitutional rights. Sovereignty Act in Alberta is being moved forward uh, as very much a political tool to try and pick a fight. And I'm not interested in fighting. The bill has faced fierce opposition from business leaders and a former Bank of Canada governor. The act is a signal to the world that we don't quite know what we're doing. Indigenous leaders have called for the bill to be withdrawn. The bill represents a clear plan to disregard any agreements, including treaties. It is beyond concerning that there has been absolutely no consultation or dialogue with First Nations people. During last night's debate, the Premier said this about the former NDP government working with the federal government. And that was once again partnering with our enemies. Calling them the enemy, I think, is... is 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 hyperbole and it's dangerous rhetoric. Smith went on to make this puzzling assertion. Well, it's not like Ottawa is a national government. As a, the way our country works is that we are a federation of sovereign independent jurisdictions. Okay, uh, that's news I think to most of us. This is an extreme version of uh, of understanding the Canadian Federation. The act passed with amendments. It no longer gives cabinet the extraordinary power to rewrite provincial laws when the act is in use, bypassing the full legislative process. Only 27 of 60 UCP MLAs were on hand for the vote. Notably absent were the members who ran against Danielle Smith for the party leadership and also spoke out against the Sovereignty Act. Omar. All right, Bill, thanks. Time for a short break, but when we come back... There's always two sides to a story. New royal revelations in Harry and Meghan's Netflix docuseries. Plus, the python that slithered out during a police takedown. Moving moments near the Spanish steps in Rome today when Pope Francis broke down in tears as he prayed for peace in Ukraine. Francis paused for about 30 seconds before spontaneous applause from the crowd pierced the silence and the Pope continued. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin held an award ceremony for soldiers at the Kremlin and vowed to continue targeting Ukraine's power grid. Pomp and ceremony is part of being a royal, but it turns out harassment by the tabloid press is also accepted as a job requirement, even when the coverage has, quote, racist undertones. That's one of the revelations in a new documentary series produced by Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. CTV's Danielle Hamamjan reports from London. Your Majesty, have you watched the documentary? A question to the king that produced no reaction. A global audience, however, is about to get its say on the Harry and Meghan documentary. Um, hi, so we're here on uh, Wednesday. The Netflix series released today begins with video diaries by the couple. I don't even know where to begin. From the moment they left the UK to more intimate ones with their children, to the reasons they refuse to play what Harry calls a dirty game with the press. 
Obviously now people are very aware of my race because they made it such an issue when I went to the UK. As far as a lot of the family were concerned, everything that she was being put through, they had been put through as well. So it was almost like a rite of passage. And I said, the difference here is the race element. Then this family, sometimes, you know, you're part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And there is a huge level of unconscious bias. Press intrusion is a recurring theme in the first three episodes. Why did you want to make this documentary? As it was in the trailer, which was criticized for misleading viewers. The paparazzi in this photograph weren't there for Meghan and Harry, but the cast of Harry Potter at a movie premiere. And the media here, they're after Donald Trump's former lawyer. I agree with them. I wouldn't want that lifestyle. But then to, to you know, to have this Netflix and to, I feel they're just doing it for money. The deal between Netflix and the couple, also the co-producers, an estimated $100 million. The royal family have denied being approached for comment. I'm still keeping an open mind about the documentary uh, because there's always two sides to a story, but I just do think it's, it's fair that they're telling their version and speaking their truth. But to many others, their truth might not be the full truth. Danielle Hamamjian, CTV News, London. Still ahead, the lawsuit that is not playing around. A popular video game sued for being too addictive. Concerns over video game addiction are front and center in a new legal case in Quebec. A judge authorized a lawsuit by parents who claimed the online phenomenon Fortnite was designed to make players, especially young ones, unable to turn it off. CTV's Jean Venvelli Rao has that story. Ever since it plunged into the gaming world five years ago, Fortnite and its colorful characters have been a massive hit. A game with 400 million registered users. And one that Kira Lawton says her seven-year-old brother plays far too much. Yeah, you can't really get him to eat or anything without having to turn the game off. A game loved by both kids and teenagers. But some parents say their children have become addicts. And a judge in Quebec has now authorized a class action lawsuit against creator Epic Games. These games were created with, with, with algorithms and dark patterns that are made to addict you. Fortnite's Battle Royale sees 100 players fight on an island until just one is left standing. The parents of three unidentified kids, who ranged in age from 10 to 15, are part of the lawsuit. According to the filing, one child was diagnosed by a doctor at a clinic with cyber addiction. But lawyers alleging addicts can stop eating, stop showering, stop socializing. One of them played for 42, the equivalent of 42 days in one year. In 2018, the World Health Organization recognized addictive gaming disorder as a disease. The lawsuit also deals with in-game purchases. What the um, plaintiffs found was that their children were not only playing excessively on the game, but they were spending a lot of money. And so that becomes part of the issue. We've got massive force. The class action only applies to Quebec and will be closely watched. Epic Games declined to comment. Though gaming expert Victor Lucas doesn't think Fortnite should be singled out. It is, I don't think, any more addictive than any other video game out there because it's such a subjective idea. What is addict, what is addictive, and what isn't addictive? It's really up to the person. A question now before the court. 
John Vanavelli Rao, CTV News, Toronto. Well, nothing could have prepared police in Hamilton for what they encountered after a pet store break-in. During the arrest, this green tree python popped out from the collar of the suspect's jacket. A quick-thinking police cadet used her baton to get the non-venomous snake back in the shop. We use her to teach kids or adults or anybody about snakes and how uh, amazing these tree pythons are. The snake isn't for sale, but it's worth up to $2,000. A B.C. woman recorded a priceless moment when a baby bobcat made a pit stop on her back porch. Oh, my gosh. The curious kitten was paying a visit to her domestic cousin, the owner's house cat, a rare sight that's already racked up millions of views online. And coming up after the break, Jocelyn's journey. I um, wanted to give you a little update today that's inspired by the death of actress Kirstie Alley. We are ending tonight's show the way we started it, with a deeply personal health struggle and a profile in courage of the person sharing it. This time from someone within our own CTV family, Calgary anchor Jocelyn Laidlaw. They call it the silent killer, and for good reason. Jocelyn is in week two of radiation to treat colorectal cancer. She suspected something was wrong when she discovered a lymph node that didn't feel right. And even though multiple tests showed there was nothing wrong with that lymph node, and I could just watch it for months and just see what happens, I just felt something was wrong there. I just wanted it out. And I insisted that it be surgically removed. Turns out it was full of cancer. Even if your doctor says everything's okay, if you feel deep down inside that something isn't right, you have to act on it. Insist. Get a different doctor. Ask for more tests. Get a second opinion. Talk to your friends. Jocelyn says she was inspired to share more about her journey after Kirstie Alley's death earlier this week from colon cancer. Kirstie inspired me today to share this with you, and I hope that um, somebody out there will act on it. Inspiring lives, even as she fights for her own. Jocelyn, we are all thinking of you and sending you lots of strength. That is a snapshot of this Thursday. John Venavelli Rao will be here tomorrow. For all of us at CTV National News, thank you for watching and good night.